All of a sudden, it seemed like everyone I know was changing jobs or stepping off the career ladder. In the month of May alone, 3.6 million Americans quit their jobs. And that's down from the month before, with almost 4 million walking out the door in April. A two-decade high, by the way. It's what's being called the Great Resignation. The mass exodus comes as many companies are trying to get employees back into the office by the fall. So why are so many people leaving? With the pandemic, I, you know, I was kind of just like, it was a lot of reflection time. I know what I want out of my career. Might as well just make the move. Some say they feel burned out after working through a year that had so many challenges. People's mental health are so bad right now. Like people are prioritizing that a lot more than like their jobs or anything else. Others say working from home was isolating. I love to like go into the office and I was like the kind of person I would write like a joke of the day on my whiteboard, which would bring people over to my like cubicle. I think I just like thrived on that where even if the work wasn't great, it was like the interaction just helped keep like morale high. But most people are less than thrilled about returning to the office with 89% of workers saying they'd prefer to work remotely at least some of the time. One in three employees are considering leaving their job according to personal finance website, Magnify Money. And popular job search site Indeed estimates that as many as 9.8 million jobs are available in the U.S. as of mid-July. That's one million more openings than there are people looking for work. Well, the good thing is for, it's for job seekers is that they are not only successful in interviewing, but also getting job offers and multiple offers. So that means that companies are competing for top talent. So it's a good time to be looking for a job. These job openings are leaving holes in the market with the service industry struggling to fill crucial roles. I think we're seeing some holes in the job market in terms of people shifted career path. In turn, we're seeing some of the top jobs in Monster right now. One of the top jobs is food preparation. The others, for instance, are truck drivers and security guards and stock clerks. I mean, what we've seen is that switching jobs is now easier than ever for a lot of people. There are more companies going remote. Maybe these are people who have saved some money over the past year, and so they're looking at their lives and saying, why am I living like this? As employees continue to reevaluate their career priorities, it's unlikely this great resignation will be ending anytime soon. I quit. This is what millions of Americans are saying since the corona pandemic. Many are saying the corona pandemic is like the great reset. Many have seemed to enter into a collective epiphany with many saying that I'm just not going to do this rat race and hamster wheel anymore. So when I return, let's talk pandemic and the great resignation. Stay tuned.
The information provided on this platform is for informational purposes only. If you ever find yourself becoming triggered, please refrain from listening. If you ever feel like you want to hurt yourself or hurt someone else, please dial 911 or report to your nearest emergency room. Thank you. Before I go any further, I would like to give a disclaimer about the thoughts and ideas expressed on this podcast. Now, there will be several clips that I will be inserting for this episode. And again, I just want to let you know that the commentators and their opinions are expressed are their opinions and not those of my own. Okay, so this is just for your listening pleasure and just to incite some thought provoking discussion. So they do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and opinions of my own. Okay, so I repeat this again. There is um, a lot of controversy surrounding around Dr. Boyce Watkins. And, um, you know, he says some very controversial things, I will say. But I think... um, He said some very insightful things in this particular clip that I'm going to share with you today. Of course, I don't agree with everything um, that someone says and that, you know, and what he says as well. Um, If you ever heard that phrase, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Some of you, you know, probably have heard that, but you know what that means, right? Sometimes we have to just take what's beneficial for us and not cancel someone's total comment our thoughts out because there may be some nuggets within even the things that we say, right? So again, he raised some very interesting parts pertaining to Black America. Um, And um, I'm going to be honest with you, I recently rejected some opportunities for the very reason that he highlights in this clip. And so um, to be honest with you, I refuse to enter the rat race again. I think at different points of our lives, we do things that we feel are necessary to get to certain places in our career, um, in our personal lives. But here is pertaining to career. There's a lot of things that um, I did in my career, of course, all ethical. I'm saying there are uh, a few opportunities I definitely will never do again. <laughs> but you know, when you're young and you want to build your resume and build your reputation in your respective fields, there are some things that we're going to do. And I, I usually call it the trenches. You know, there are certain trench work that I just won't do anymore. You know why? Because I don't have to. Uh, and you probably feel the same way. And so, you know, here, I think a lot of people have reevaluated and um, the pandemic allowed people to be at home and really sit with their thoughts to say, do I really want to do that? You know, life is so short and you know, for some of us, we've seen people who at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't see them in the end. You know, there has been a lot of loss and I, w- I would say a global bereavement, right? Like global trauma, because I can't even say it's particular to the U.S. because this has been a global pandemic and that's why it's called pandemic, right? So um, I want to insert a clip by Dr. Boyce Watkins. And I definitely want to hear, 
your opinion about this. So again, feel free to email me, okay, at um, virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. And so let's listen to see what Dr. Boyce Watkins have to say. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Black Financial Channel. That's theblackfinancialchannel.com. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. I'm your friendly neighborhood finance professor. On the Black Financial Channel, we talk about black wealth and black economics every day, sometimes as much as 10 times a day under one condition. The condition is that you must be black first. You ain't got to be black to be here. We don't hate anybody, but you got to put black people at the top of your priority list. We also believe in the B1 philosophy. The B1 philosophy says that not only do we put ourselves at the top of our priority list, but we also want our children, B1 children, they are going to lead the world in economics, wealth building, uh, ownership of property, starting businesses, et cetera, within the next 50 years. That's called Project. 2070. Also, B1 means we, we understand we must be one to be successful. If you agree with that philosophy, put a hashtag B1 in the chat. Uh, hashtag B1. That's our calling card. Use that on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and other social media so you can have B1 conversations with other people. And also, we can see your B1 business when you start your business and everybody can support you. So, uh, <clears throat> good morning to everybody. Uh, good morning to Shamira and Anthony and Jay. And my name is Corey and Stacy, etc. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Uh, First of all, how many of you have heard about the Great Resignation? Uh, How many of you have heard about this? How how many of you have heard about how many millions of people are quitting their jobs right now? Give me a yes or no in the chat. Um, You know, there's there's a big thing happening uh, where a lot of people are quitting their jobs. And uh, that's kind of a big deal. Um, You know, I've been mentioning that to black people for about for like my whole entire professional working life. Ever since I got my first job, I've been wanting to quit. I don't know about y'all, but I've been wanting to quit since uh, since I was about a teenager. I just didn't know how to do it. I thought that the only way to get ahead in this world was to go find some some wonderful white man to go work for. And, you know, he, he'd serve you some nice warm butter biscuits to, to keep, you know, toasty warm butter biscuits to keep you happy and feeling good. And and uh, and if you behave, if you are well behaved, then the world will reward you by not uh, destroying your life and killing you as a black man, right? So as a black man, you don't have too many good options. The options typically consist of finding uh, some white person who's nice enough to be nice to you. And uh, and I didn't like that option at all. Uh, I, I had my first internship. Let me just tell you all about this. I, I was I was doing real well. I was doing real well within the system. I was following the rules very well. And uh, I got this opportunity when I was a sophomore in college to um, to go and work for GE, General Electric. Uh, at that time, that was a big deal. GE was a strong company back then. And uh, and they had uh, an internship that paid me a ton of money. They put me in this really fancy, expensive apartment right in the middle of uh, downtown Boston. And I, I shared a room with, uh, with a nice guy from Thailand, I believe, who was also another intern. And uh, we made big bank. I mean, back then, you know, back, I mean, this is way back when, but back the money I made back then would have been good money right now. I don't remember exactly how much it was, but I remember the apartment itself was like $2,500 a month. And if you think that's a, a lot, that's a lot of money now, but it was a ton of money like 28 years ago, right? Like 30 years ago. I mean, it was, you know, so, so, and I had this job and I hated the job. I had this boss named Mary, this really ridiculously horrible white woman who uh, didn't teach me how to do anything and was very mean and rude and disrespectful. And it made me, it really turned me sour against corporate America at a very early age, you know? So I literally got my dream job and it was terrible. It's almost like, it's almost like having your dream girl and you finally get to go out with her and you find out she's a excuse me, she's a raggedy, dumb, you know, shallow gold digger, right? And you're like, ugh, now that I've gotten up close to you, 
I don't like you anymore. Anybody ever go in there have that experience? <laughs> you, somebody looked real good from far away, and then you got up close, you're like, I need to reassess all my value systems right now because whatever it was that made me want to get closer to you, I need to get that extracted from my personality. So, so uh, you know, a lot of us, like, like you know, I was like a lot of us, we're, we're in love with white folks. You know, we, we're in love with uh, with what with what they offer us. We're in love with, uh, you know, the fame, the status, the money, whatever, the, the validation. That's what you're seeking. You're seeking validation because you, um, you know, because you were taught that you're nothing unless they, unless other people accept you, right? That's a, a fundamental issue that we have as, as black people, and it's something that's ingrained in us at a very early age, and I reject that entirely. So I spent my whole life literally thinking, like, how do I not get caught in that trap? You know, I, I don't want to get caught in that trap. So I thought that my solution was to go and get a high-paying job, right? That's the that's what you you know when you're little, you're taught you have to work for somebody. You must sign yourself up for slavery. You must do it. Like again, again, when I use the word slavery, I'm not using it lightly. Uh, this is not chattel slavery. This is not slavery from 1708. Uh, this is a different kind of slavery. This is capitalist slavery. Capitalist slavery basically says that you know you'll be compensated, but you're still under control. If if you're thinking about slavery that says you don't get paid for it. Right. You know, they, like you can be compensated and still be a slave. If you can't do what you want to do, then technically that's a type of slavery. It doesn't mean that it's as bad as you for you as it was for your ancestors 200 years ago. But it does mean that you don't have the the, the freedom that you want to have. So here's what's going on. And, and again, I, I see these big conversations happening nationally. And I almost feel like, OK, my job is as, as a black economics expert to kind of put black people at the front of the, the line in that conversation and say, what's the blackened version of this conversation? Like, what's the black version of what's happening right now? So this great migration, which is happening amongst people of all backgrounds, not just black people, is basically where millions of people right now. Uh, I was reading an article about it in the NPR. Millions of people right now are starting to uh, to not just quit their jobs. It's much deeper than just quitting your job. You're reassessing your whole life. You're looking at everything. You, you sat back in the pandemic and you're like, damn, man, like, OK, now that I'm bored to death and I'm sitting around and I'm thinking about life, I'm spending time with my kids. I'm sitting next to my woman every single day. I'm I'm, I'm thinking I, re, I just realized that I'm 40 something years old. I, I'm thinking about all the lost dreams that I used to have that never got fulfilled. I'm having to also find a new way to survive. I need to find a new hustle because my old hustle ain't working. I got to find something else to do. So you start getting into other things, right? It's almost like taking a break from a from a, a toxic relationship, right? You didn't even know it was toxic because you thought that was the best you could do. It's what you're used to. You know, we tend to connect to the things that are familiar, right? So you, so, so let's say that the person uh, leaves and they go out of the country or something for a year or whatever. So you're sitting there and you're just like, okay, my, you know, what I am used to is not available to me. And I, now I'm realizing that what I'm used to is not what's best for me. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm saying. Give me, give me a yes if you understand what I'm saying here. Like, so it's a deeper process. It's deeper than just, you know, I want to make more money. Right. It's deeper than just I want to get a you know fancy promotion and a nicer job. It's like, man, what am I doing here? What is the meaning of life? Like, like people are getting that deep with it. And I love it. I think it's awesome because I've been if you go back and listen to conversations I've been having on online 10 years ago, I was saying this. I was saying, you know, stop and think about your life. You know, and this is more of a Marxist ideology. You know, people think I'm a capitalist because I understand money. No, I'm 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 not a capitalist. I'm not a Marxist or anything. I, I get ideas from all spaces and there are good ideas all the way across the board. So when you read the ideas of Karl Marx, who's way on the left, I'm not a Marxist, but I, I respect some of those ideas. One of the things that Karl Marx used to say, now pay attention, I'm getting a little bit deep and I hope you get what I'm saying. 
is he used to say that basically the failing of capitalism is that it puts you in this system where you are just a cog in a wheel and you spend your whole entire life, your precious, valuable, beautiful life, sitting there doing something that means absolutely nothing. You're only doing it so you can get enough money to not get rich. You know, you're not going to go buy a mansion from this money. You're getting by. You're literally giving up your life just so you can survive. And I said, that's terrible, man. That's horrible, especially if you're black. Like, this is bad for white people. Like there's millions of white people who 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 hate this process. So so if if you're white and it's painful, imagine how it feels to be black. You don't have to imagine it because you are black. Most of y'all, 99.9 percent of you are probably black. So so because we don't even get paid as much as white people do. We don't even get the rewards that they get. Right? Our butter biscuits are okay, but their butter biscuits biscuits are really good and delicious. Right? So what I would almost say to you is um, that this process is uh to me. I think it's beautiful. I think it's uh, awesome. I think it's great that people are thinking about these things. Also, it fits directly into, you know, I remember I told you all, everybody has an agenda. I was telling um, uh, some people online today on my Twitter. My Twitter is Dr. Boyce Watkins 1. Dr. Boyce Watkins in the number one. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. And I said, um, I was talking about media. I said, um, intelligent black people, please don't get caught up in MSNBC or Fox. I have been on both of those networks dozens of times. And I can tell you, they have an agenda. They're like the Crips and the Bloods, red and blue, going at each other. Tucker Carlson attacking Rachel Maddow. And they all have an agenda. Everybody has an agenda, right? And uh, and I'm not saying that it's not their right to have their agenda. I'm saying, don't you get caught up in that. If you're going to get caught up in an agenda, get caught up in a black agenda, right? Because the, the liberals got a liberal agenda. Uh, conservatives have a conservative agenda. LGBT has the LGBT agenda. My question is, are you in tune with the black agenda? And, uh, and just like everybody else, I'm going to tell you the truth. I got an agenda. My agenda is what they call the black core of three. The black core of three, what we believe in the black business school is that we believe black people should educate our own children, create our own jobs, and support black businesses. If we educate our own children so they're not brainwashed at an early age, create our own jobs so we can work for ourselves and build wealth in our own community and uh, instead of giving wealth to everybody else and then support those businesses so they can build a capital base which gives you economic political and socio uh socio-political power all throughout society then you will find black people will rise those people in that who are part of that system will rise in my view because that's how america works now with that being said um i want to encourage you to Look into it. Look into it and just know that this is the way it's supposed to be all the time. And I'm thinking about this because we're actually about to take our oldest off to college today. And uh, he's happy. He's, he can't wait to leave. And don't tell him, but we, we kind of looking forward to him. Kind of like, you know, you know how it is. You just got like, OK, you can go. You ain't got to come back. You, you know, you ain't got to come back now. Right. Right. So <laughs> but, but we love him. We love him. But but, you know, we take him off to college. And if you want to know the conversations I have with him and with the kids about careers and professions and all that, it's almost like talking to him about a video game. He taught me how to play a video game called Call of Duty, and it's been so much fun. I really love it. I even play by myself now because it's so much fun. And, and, And it's like we would talk about the game and we're real serious about the game when we're talking about the game. But at the end of the day, we know it's still a game. We know that 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 the game is it's important when we're in the game, but there's a bigger world outside of the game. Right. So what I want you to do is take that. So so when we talk about careers, profession and what you what you're doing for a living and whether you're going to be an engineer or a dentist or a doctor, that's a game like that's part of the capitalist game. And the game is serious when you're in it. Like if you're in your profession, do your job at the, to the best of your ability, be the best you can be at whatever it is that you do. But understand that that's a game. That's a system. You're inside a matrix 
when you're committed to all of that. And you got to understand there's a game outside the game. And the beautiful thing about the pandemic, I know it was painful for a lot of people, so I don't want to underestimate that. But the most beautiful thing that happened during this pandemic is it took you out of the game and you were able to realize that there's a whole world outside of that game. And this is the world, quite frankly, that I have been that I was exposed to many years ago. And I've been talking about this for a long time. But sometimes when you're just locked in in the situation you're in, you're still you're, you're in the crack house. You forget that there's a whole universe outside the crack house. So thank God somebody burned down the crack house long enough for, for all of us as crackheads to step outside that system. Because believe me, white supremacy have you run around here like a damn crackhead serving a capitalist corporation that don't even love you. So so don't serve the people that don't love you. Serve the people that do. Uh, or serve yourself. You love yourself. Serve your family. That's that, you know, work for your last name. Get, get your hustle on. You can do this. The economic recovery from the worst of the pandemic continues, but the strength of it is not fully clear. And some businesses are having trouble hiring enough workers to reopen fully. In response, many states are ending pandemic unemployment programs to encourage people to get back to work. Over the next six weeks, half of states will end the extra $300 in weekly unemployment benefits that were set to run through Labor Day. We talked to unemployed workers and business owners across the country about their economic concerns. My name is Bill Eastwood, and I uh, currently reside in Columbia, South Carolina. I relocated here four years ago for a job. My name is Roberta Monteleone. I'm the managing partner of Milan Catering and Event Design. I am uh, David Jones. I'm the managing partner of Blue Ridge Restaurant Group. Well, I'm Lisa Smallwood. I was contracted to USDA. Then in September, no, August, they decide that they're not going to renew like the top three accountants or whatever. My name's Jason Webb from uh, Huntington, West Virginia. My uh, business is uh, GD Ritzy's. So when June 12th comes, guess what? You won't get anything from unemployment at all. So it's like, okay, now what disaster is going to hit now? The unemployment is in Florida is $275 a week. That doesn't cover much in the way of bills. Our politics, and I'm so sick and tired of it. Everybody's trying to make a point. But guess what? They are actually playing with people's livelihood. $300 is, you know, $1,200 a month. It, it, it makes a difference. And I had to establish a financial runway back in the first quarter of 2020. And... Um, it extends that runway um, by, you know, 25, 30%. We do see that light at the end of the tunnel, and that was a good feeling to have. And then we ran into this hurdle of employees trying to find employees. We couldn't get anybody. We're like, I couldn't get cousins or, you know, nephews or anybody to come in for a job. We've tripled the, the hourly rates. We were, we have everybody, every restaurant's doing signing bonuses. We're doing all those things. And, and we are probably 70, 80 uh, employees short right now. We would hire them all right now if if, uh, if they showed up on our doorstep. I don't have a labor shortage, but I'm also willing to pay people, you know, a fair wage and make sure that they're safe and make sure that they know that. The biggest thing is going to be this, you know, unemployment benefits that they were receiving. It was, it's hard to compete with larger wages. And as a small business owner, that would be a, quite a challenge for me to pay much more than we do. You have so many people say, oh my God, so many people make so much more money, you know, uh, being off than they are their regular jobs. And I say, yeah, and so many people that what they're giving them every week is still not enough. And it's like telling me, well, you know what, forget your degree. You just go work somewhere. Really?
we have specific employees that have told us, you know, that I, we just don't, I don't have anybody else uh, to, to watch my child uh, during the day. Uh, we've heard that, well, you know, I, I make as much on unemployment as I can on uh, working as a server. We've supplemented it with much higher hourly rates uh, to, to make them yeah, make them where they used to be. We don't want we don't want compensation to be an issue for them not coming back to work. If someone's raising their hand and saying a labor shortage, my answer is: Are you paying them a fair wage? Are you giving them employee health care and benefits? Are you taking care of people? I think the model's different now. People don't just show up and work. You need to make sure that you're invested in them. Financially, I really need to find. Um a job this year, you know, for, for the money not to start getting critical. So this isn't about losing my home today. It could be down the road. Being unemployed is a, um, is, is a very nerve wracking place to be. I call it character building. I build so much character because it's like the trials that you go through and everything is just building up a character. You know, it's, it builds something in you to overcome something that's next. That's how I look at it. I tell somebody this morning, you know, I have to be willing to be uncomfortable just to be comfortable. Some heartfelt statements there from uh, from the people we were able to talk with. Let's look closer at some of those concerns we just heard about, government aid and relief and where we are in the economic recovery. Ben Castleman writes about economics and business for The New York Times, and he joins me now. So, Ben Castleman, you heard a variety of points of view, but it's clear that these unemployment benefits are making a difference for some, but there's still a dispute about that. What is your reporting telling you about the difference these unem additional unemployment benefits are making right now? Well, so I mean, I think the first thing to, to say is that it's very clear that unemployment benefits and these enhanced unemployment benefits that the federal government provided made a tremendous difference last year. Uh, in the lives of millions and millions of people who lost their jobs and also played a really important role in supporting the, the overall economy. So, so last year, I think there was sort of very little debate about it by and large. We're now in a very different moment, right? We're in a moment where we are starting to open back up the economy, where people are vaccinated and able to go back out. And we're clearly seeing a ton of people who want to go out and eat in restaurants again, fly on planes again, go to hotels again. And we're hearing consistently from employers that it's difficult to find workers. And I think that that part is very real. The question, of course, is, is, is it unemployment benefits that are doing that? And, you know, I think what we heard from some of those voices is that it is probably a factor it's probably a factor for some people, but there are a lot of other factors, and these all kind of play off each other in a variety of pretty complicated ways. Now let's listen to Roland Martin. Again, the thoughts and opinions that are expressed on his platform are not that of my own. So stay tuned, and again, I wanna hear your feedback. So let's listen to Mr. Roland Martin. COVID has taught a lot of us a lot of things, and many people have come to the realization they really don't like their jobs. And it's not just not liking their job. What they really don't like is everything that goes with it, the long commute, also realizing uh, how much time they're spending away from their families. Uh, in addition, 
that they actually were spending a lot of their money, uh, again, sitting in cars, look at the amount of money they were spending on daycare. And so people have decided, you know what, I, I'm good. So while, pe while companies are saying, we need you to return to the office, mm, an increasing number of Americans are saying, I'll pass. That's okay. I'm just going to go ahead and quit, which is causing many companies to now figure out how they're going to replace these employees. Joining us right now is Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach. Deborah, glad to have you uh, on the show. Uh, this is something that, uh, and I was, I was telling folks this last year, I said COVID is about to reveal a whole lot of stuff about this country. Uh, we learned people really understood uh, the racial dynamics when it comes to uh, health and who gets impacted. Uh, we begin to understand how many kids did not have broadband and computers and were not uh, as uh, sophisticated, if you will, with technology and how there was a gap there between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, but on the work front, a lot of people really have started to reconsider their work life and its impact on their personal life. Absolutely, Roland. Of course, always glad to be back and uh, have some conversations on wealth and uh, the welfare of our community. And I'll tell you, there are really like three forces, right? It's generational, it's social, it's the social contract. And, you know, for many people, uh, they just simply, as you said, want to spend more time with their family. I think, if anything, COVID has been a, uh, an awakening for all of us, and just in terms of what we value. And if you think about the folks who've been on the front line, it's really those essential workers who, you know, what we saw was some of us were able to stay home and work virtually, whereas others who were essential had to put their lives at risk. And so I, I think, as you pointed out, uh, COVID revealed a lot of inequalities, really, in, uh, in, in you know, just the social framework of this country. And in a way, it has put the power back into people's hands. So for employers, it's opening up Pandora's box. So much of what they said about virtual workforce and what could and couldn't happen uh, what we see is people have been just as productive and, in fact, they haven't been in cars commuting, so they're spending more time with their families. And, you know, what we're seeing in the Wealthy You community uh, is that some people, because they can work virtually, they have multiple sources of income and, in some cases, two full-time jobs because they're, they have the flexibility. So, Roland, I think that... Uh, COVID has really empowered people to say, hey, I'm going to take control of my life and my lifestyle. Of unemployment benefits and COVID and, and this person had said that... And get ready to hear our girl Letitia drop some more gems on you. Drop some more gems on them, Letitia. Letitia, drop some more gems on them. The pandemic, also known as the Great Reset again, or I've even heard it being referred to as the Great Leveler. 
Now you may want to say like, why that? Because many have said the pandemic has really leveled the playing field for a lot of people. You know, the have nots and the haves (laughs) seem to kind of be on the same page, on the same level. Um, And I definitely can not disagree with that. Okay. You saw people who had great wealth before the pandemic after a lot of them lost money, if not their lives in general. So yeah, I would say it is the great leveler as well. Um, Many industries have been just in a tizzy, in a panic, trying to fill voids due to many workers simply just saying they've had enough of the rat race. They simply have had enough of the nine to five traffic and the money for gas. I mean, you know, and and who can blame them, right? So many of these industries I speak of, I will say, um, are low paying and are industries which place workers in a significant risk, such as grocery store workers and those in the food industry and in healthcare. Um, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there have been a lot of nurses who said, you know what? This is just not for me. And um, I've really seen it more recently where individuals are not becoming vaccinated and they are crowding hospitals yet again and causing many of the healthcare workers to be exposed. Um, I myself, I worked in the hospital during the first wave of the pandemic in New York and um, it was really interesting. I learned a lot. And um, yeah, you know, healthcare workers are just to their wit's end, you know, working long hours. And then you have people just with this laissez-faire attitude as if they just don't care about themselves, we know that, but they don't care about other people. Um, Being that the pandemic, I know people are in disarray about, and um, you know, rightfully so, I would say, because everyone's entitled to their opinion, why would the government cause anyone or make it mandatory for, you know, American citizens who have rights to take the vaccination? And they've been comparing apples and oranges. You know, I've, I've heard so many, so much crazy things out there. But this is one thing that it affects other people. So, yes, they can mandate it. You are affecting other people. And I think some people had even... Um, used abortions and things of that sort, even though, you know, we'd seen some changes in that in Texas, um, that, you know, a person should not, um, well, the government should not interfere when it comes to someone's body. And I have to disagree with that. When it has something to do with public health care, the public welfare, and you are exposing and endangering other people, then I do believe the government should step in. I do. You may not just, you know, you may not agree with me and that's all right, but that's my opinion. I really do. So uh, many are just saying I quit, right? From some of the reasons I just alluded to and are now realizing the amount of money, even for the ones who are being paid, you know, um, their fair share or a good amount of money. They are looking at it like, you know what? I'm saving on childcare, I'm saving on gas, I'm saving on those long commutes as we have probably all done those if you're not um, 
if you haven't always been blessed to work from home, I haven't always been blessed to work from home or close to my home, even though one of my last nine to five jobs, I literally worked down the street, which was so amazing. But just think about how much time you one spends in traffic, a lot of time back and forth every day. Um, yeah. And another thing, people really don't realize this, but we spend most of our time when you were doing a nine to five at work more than you at home. Uh, yeah. So just think you're spending eight hours plus a day, which for a lot of people, at least in America, you're spending anywhere from eight to maybe 12 hours a day at work. How much time are you spending at home? Just enough to make some dinner, play with your kids if you have, you know, a family, you know, spend time with your spouse. And then you're going to bed to start it all over again. So people are tired of that. Absolutely. Um, Many are also realizing that they have more options to make money. You know, with technology, via um, investment apps such as Robinhood and networking apps such as Clubhouse and other social media platforms, people are seeing very unique and innovative ways to make money. Um, Crowdfunding apps, um, apps such as TikTok and YouTube where your average YouTuber, and I don't want to say average, but there's a lot of YouTubers out there that's really making some coin. <laughs> um, really. So when you once you become monetized, I think once you have received um, a thousand subscribers, you can monetize your channel. And these people are making money. And uh, yeah, I'll be on that gravy train real soon <laughs> myself. But um, yeah, according to fastcompany.com, There are five reasons why an individual would begin an active um, or even passive search for a job. Financial needs, you know, the, you know, compensation, of course, is always a thing why people um, are looking for a job. So that's a very popular variable. Work-home balance. Um, The work is not so demanding. So, you know, people may come to the conclusion like, okay, is the work-home balance, is it working to my benefit? Um, The remote work policies, um, you know, people are looking for more of a hybrid from what I've heard nowadays. And I will say working from home is awesome, but it doesn't work for everyone. Okay. You have some people who need, and I think you probably heard it in, um, some of the clips I've uh, added, some people need that social interaction. I'm not one of those people. I like to get in and get out. I talk to people in my leisure as I see fit, but it's not a requirement for me. Um, Current job disinterest, you know, this is why people will go back out there for the hunt again. And um, lastly, concern about job and organization stability. You know, if a person is worried about their job, they may start their search again. Now, I wanted to go back to another one because I don't know if I really explained that. Um, the work, the remote work policies, misalignment in work um, and remote work preferences and organizational policies. So let me go into detail about that. And I can share a personal experience. Um, I actually had a recent opportunity to do some contract work remotely. Um, however, 
yes, it was working from home, but it just didn't fit what I needed to do. I, I, I should say, and let me go into detail what I'm telling all of my business. <laughs> it was almost like they were monitoring me. I might as well just went in, into an office. And so me being an entrepreneur, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I had to let that go because, um, you know, this stage in my career, it has to work for me. I'm not one who chases the almighty dollar because I do well for myself. So I'm not at that place in my career where I have to just take anything either. Um, For some people who have children, you know, the remote work policies have to definitely um, align with the family life. Um, And say, for instance, the spouse may be working from home as well. And so many different variables, because I know some of you may say, well, working from home, that's good, but it doesn't work for everyone um, all the time. And I want to go to another one too, the work home balance. And let me go into detail what the policy um, says. The work is so demanding. You don't even have enough time or energy left to enjoy non-work activities. And oh my God, yes, I've been there before where the money is amazing, but the work is so taxing. Even by the time you get home, you're tired. So, um, you know, people are looking at that now and saying, you know, if this, if, is this really worth it? Is this really worth me, um, enduring stressful days and, you know, especially working from home. See, people don't know this as well. And I wanted to add this, you know, when you are working away from home, at least you have that place where you can leave work there when you're working at home. Um, and if you're not good with boundaries, because I'm very good with boundaries, so I know how to cut it on and cut it off. But for those who don't have boundaries, your work can definitely bleed over into your work life. And that can be very po- you know, problematic for individuals who are married and with children, because then, you know, your relationships can fall through the wayside and then you're having other problems, divorce and, you know, just arguments that are can be avoided (laughs) I should say so um yes let's take a quick break I want to come back and I want to talk about five reasons why an individual would be least likely to go on a job search okay so please stay tuned This is your girl, Letitia, coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's going to lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself, if a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know, working on your home. If they become offended, you're probably not gonna hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different. So don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses. And yes, all those hard things we worked for, 
but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, so I want to leave you with a, free, a few resources. Uh, psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There are some wonderful, very experienced therapists on these sites, some of which are my beautiful colleagues, and I know the hard work that they do, and they are waiting to hear from you. Okay, so I'm not going to take any more of your time because I know you can't rush to, can't wait to get to that computer, right? And search out that therapist. So I'm not going to say anything further. If you want to tell me about your experience, I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com and happy hunting. Take care. So let's do a short recap. Before the break, I discuss five reasons people would actively or passively search for jobs. Now let's get into the reasons why they may not want to come back. Okay, employers, I hope you're hearing this. This is why people do not want to come back, okay? Stagnation is one of them. There are limited opportunities for moving up in the company. Self-explanatory. If you want your people to come back, you guys, you have to create opportunities for promotion and growth, okay? Number two, need for autonomy. The job slash organization doesn't allow you to make your own decisions, and that's a biggie for me. Um, that's a lot of the reasons why I think I left a lot of the jobs that I've had before. If I didn't have some sense of autonomy, because I'm such a free bird, and I'm just an entrepreneur at heart anyway, but of course, we have to crawl before we walk. And uh, but I still wanted some autonomy because let me just tell you this. I cannot stand micromanagement. I would leave out the door day one. So anyone that have ever worked for you, you know, I didn't stay long there. Right. If you micromanaged me. (laughs) Okay. number three, lack for growth. There are limited opportunities to be challenged or learn something new. That is so me because I love to be challenged. I love learning. I'm such a sponge. Um, My environments have to be mentally stimulating, just like my relationships. You don't stimulate me. It's not going to (laughs) work. And guess what? Your job is like a relationship, right? It's yeah. (laughs) Number four, inclusion or belonging. You don't feel like part of the in-group, quote-unquote, 
or you don't feel like your uniqueness is appreciated. That's a big one too. And you know, that's a, that's really um, not really talked about a lot. You know, in some jobs, there are cliques and it could be very isolating if you're not part of the in crowd. Now for me, I'm a solo bolo type of chick, leader at heart. Um, but you do feel if there's clicks around, it can be very toxic. I'll say that. Um, so that's probably why that's on there too, because when there is, um, when there are a lot of clicks, especially in the professional setting, it can breed toxic, um, toxic energy. Toxicity (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, yeah, very, yeah, that's, that's not good at all. Um, and I've, I've endured that at certain jobs. I have. And I think most of us probably have, right? Yeah, it breeds toxicity. And we definitely don't want that. Um, the last one, social impact. You don't connect with the value that your organization is offering to customers or society at large. And I guess that's self-explanatory. I really don't have to go into that. But let's get into a little bit more of the article. Now, according to FastCompany.com, across 14 categories studied, approximately one-third of the respondents said that if that category was very bad, they would begin a passive job search. The real differentiator came from which categories would provoke an active job search. Now, the top three um, that would um, cause people to, I guess, search for a job was financial needs, work home balance and remote work policies. Now these were the categories where 50% or more of respondents reported that they would actively search for a job if those categories became a concern. And I guess those are self-explanatory as well. Now as for financial needs, you know, will always play a role in turnover, right? Right. So I tell people, you can love the job all you want to, but if you're not getting paid like you need to, to pay the bills, keep your food on the table, then it's just not going to work. Okay. Now, many today are just reprioritizing and essentially creating a mental pros and cons list. And I guess, you know, that time off again, people just um, evaluated like, what am I doing? Um, people are dropping like flies left and right. And uh, I want to make a difference in the world. Or is this job really worth me spending all of my time away from my family? Um, you know, it depends on the person. So people really evaluate it. And you know what I say as a clinician? Bravo. So happy that people are prioritizing their mental health and sanity over the rat race. So after this break, I want to go into um, some more stats, but I want you to hear another clip real quick. And um, again, let me know what your thoughts is on this topic, virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com. And I will return after this.
people are quitting their jobs in droves in what's been dubbed the Great Resignation, pushing job vacancies to all-time highs. And a new survey from productivity firm Lattice found that 54% of respondents are looking to change jobs, and 43% say their career paths have stalled or, quote, slowed to a crawl. So what's behind all the dissatisfaction and turnover? Joining me now is Jack Altman, the co-founder and CEO of Lattice. Jack, it's good to have you. I can understand from the demand side if people can live new lifestyles in new parts of the country post-pandemic, but why on the supply side, if you want to call it that, would they would they say that their their work has suddenly stalled? Well, I think it's like an interesting time in the world where employees have more choice than ever. And I think people are constantly able to see what's out there now. And so I think we kind of live in a time now where companies have to really think about how do I rehire this employee every day and make them excited about their work because there's there's really more choice than ever and it's easier to change roles than ever. What accounts do you think for people leaving uh, previous roles and looking for new ones? I, we talked to Kevin Roos earlier this year. Part of it he was talking about was this YOLO economy idea that people go, you know what, I only have one life to live. I've always wanted to start this business or live in this different part of the world or you name it. Um, others might just realize that because of working online, working from home, they can go somewhere that was previously not possible, right? Yeah, I think what you're touching on is very real. I think over the last 18 months, people's values have changed in many cases. People sort of saw their board reshuffle for their lives and they said, hey, maybe I want to explore a different lifestyle, a different city, maybe my work that I'm interested in has changed. And so I think that has really uh, been an impetus. And at a time when the economy is doing so well, when you can work remotely, people just have so many options. And so I think all of those things combined with the fact that now that I'm working remote, maybe I don't have as close of connections with my colleagues, with my company. I think that leads to sort of um, an, an ability for people to be more comfortable moving around. Yeah, and I was glad that the journal, the Wall Street Journal, had this big story, I guess, yesterday over the weekend about how people are realizing it's sinking in that this style of work is going to be with us for years. I mean, just the realization that we thought a couple of weeks from now, everyone was basically going to be back at the office to suddenly going, wait a minute, maybe not till 2022. It won't be the winter. It could be the spring. You know, it's a whole other year of this. You guys had some interesting stuff where you talk about ways to maybe help uh, for firms to help them manage uh, their workforces better at a time like this, suggesting, for instance, no meeting Wednesdays, recharge days for the team to disconnect. What are some other ideas? Yeah, I think that that's right. And I think that comes from the sentiment that you need to think about your employee as your customer as a company. And so what you want to do is set a clear direction and then you want to help people feel motivated, feel engaged. And so you want people to feel like their uh, needs are being met. So things like recharge days where you give people time to themselves, things like a no meeting day, things like where you help people understand their career path at your company are really important so that people see here's what's in it. You know, as I put work in over the coming years, people really want to feel connected to the mission. They want to feel career growth and they want to feel a sense of uh, community and sustainability. So I think companies need to focus on those things. I also thought it was funny as a side note, you said that companies are running more surveys than ever. So we have, we're going to your survey. We have all these surveys we're talking about, but you think companies themselves are basically trying to figure out what's going on with their own workforce? Yeah, I think it's the same thing as like in the past, companies would like survey their customers and they would ask the users that they served how they were doing. And I think companies are now coming around to this idea that if they treat their employees like their most important customer, their most important user, then everything's going to work itself out. Uh, I totally believe this. And so I think companies are now trying to find out how can we listen to employees? How can we make sure that our product, which is working at our company, meets people's needs? One final question. Has overall productivity gone up or down in the meantime, as a result of all of these changes? 
you know, there's a lot of different ways to measure it. And I think there are things that uh, have improved with remote work and there are things that were easier uh, when you were in person. But I think by basically any metric, it doesn't look like productivity has gone down in any sort of broad way, which is part of why companies and employees are realizing this remote and sort of hybrid flexible work thing is here to stay because it is effective. It is effective. We're seeing GDP back to pre-pandemic levels, even with the smaller workforce. But like you said, the question is how long we can sustain that if people are working overtime, maybe getting a little burned out. Jack, thanks for joining us to talk about it today. Good to see you. So welcome back. Now, before the break, we were discussing the great resignation. Yeah. It seems that a lot of people are just saying, screw work. I want to stay home with my family, travel the world, and just take care of my mental health. So let's continue. Work, home, balance, and remote work policy seems to be um, very high on the priority list, according to FastCompany.com. Now, it states that organizational leaders are struggling to accept the fact that employees are less willing to go back to the good old days in the office. Remember the good old days, standing by the water cooler, discussing the shows that came on the night before? Well, some people are basically saying, screw that. However, there are people who still um, want that. And I think I alluded to that earlier, where there's individuals who are more social and they love the office culture and just being around their co-workers and I can get that you have a lot of people who live along and that may be their only way and only time that they interact with others now me I live alone but I love my alone time and I love working from home in my pjs <laughs> so um yeah so basically some are saying the flexibility is nice but so is structure, and these are the people that I'm talking about. Some people prefer um, what we call a hybrid option, where they go to work, but they're able to stay home as well. Um, so let's read what the article is stating about that. Some individuals appreciate having the good option of working from home, as well as having an office home base to interact and just get out of the house. And I get I get that, you know, have you ever been in the house for a long time um, being sick or just the pandemic period and uh, got what we call cabin fever? I know I have where I'm like, I got to get out of here. So that's what I think a lot of people are basically staying, um, stating they want an option. OK, now this can be translated in replacing the informal impromptu in office interactions with semi-regular structure team building sessions. So basically with this saying in layman's terms, they um, the hybrid would look like um, impromptu in office interactions via team building meetings and things of that sort to um, continue collaboration, trust, and rapport with their co-workers. And I can get that because you can't really get too much of that if you're just seeing people on the computer all of the time. Although I'm, I'm a person that feels that good office culture can translate over the web. Um, however, it does have its um, shortcomings, I would say, and its problems. Okay, um, yeah, employees, basically what the article is also stating, employees commonly report that they want to continually broaden and refine their skills. And they feel like being home 
doesn't really allow that to happen. Um, yeah, so people want to be able to refine their skills and in, um, interactions, office training, and just mentorship. You know, when you're working with alongside with people, you're able to uh, brainstorm, get ideas, you know, bounce ideas off of your coworkers. And I know I've done that several times. Yeah, um, but I want to go in. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. I wanted to go and uh, talking about job stress. And uh, of course, it always have to have a mental health spin for me. And uh, why people are just tired. Some people are just saying, I am over it. I am just tired of the rat race. And the pandemic was a time where people were able to really be still and really just figure out their lives and, um, you know, renew their interests and their hobbies and make those into some entrepreneur um, endeavors as well. So after this break, I want to talk about job stress, what it looks like and ways you can remedy it. Um, okay, so I will be back after this break. Stay tuned. If you or someone you love is having thoughts of suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. It is available 24 hours, seven days a week. You are not alone. Find your spot on the virtual couch and get ready to hear our girl Letitia drop some more gems on ya. Drop some more gems on them, Letitia. Drop some more gems on them. have to spend a long time defining what job stress is, right? We all know what job stress is. We've all encountered it at some point in our lives. Now, if you're currently working, you probably know what it feels like to be stressed on a job because you're working right now, especially during a pandemic. So just think, I'm going to give you some scenarios. Imagine you have emails stacked up and uh, you need to sift through them um, that's just, that's job stress within itself. So these are just some simple scenarios. Phone rings, meetings are scheduled. A, co- a co-worker drops a ball on a shared assignment. These just all examples. Now, I want to educate you a little bit on how the body reacts to job stress. Imagine for a moment you get an email about a deadline that was due yesterday from your boss. And uh, you can kind of read the tone in the email, right? So this is what happens. Your body and mind instantly responds, activating a physical reaction called the fight or flight response. Now, if you're in the field like me, we've heard this a lot, right? Now, this is when your heart beats faster, your breath quickens, and your muscles tense. Now, at the same time, you may say to yourself, "Um, I'm going to get fired. I need to finish this. So your body constantly goes into panic mode. And um, just to be, uh, I want to go back. I'm getting, using the scenario from health.harvard.edu. Okay. And I have my um, own um, examples, if you will. But uh, just to go on, 
Then you manage your anxiety and negative self-talk. Um, you work late into the night to complete the task. So let me read that over. At the same time, remember the, the email that you got from your boss. You're saying to yourself, I'm going to get fired if I don't finish this. Then to manage your anxiety and negative self-talk, you work late into the night to complete the task. And I think we've all had similar scenarios like that. I remember one time I was in college, and I'll never forget this. Um, I had a big psychology um, final the next day. And uh, if you know anything about me, I was always a bookworm. So I stayed up with no sleep, but I knew that I wasn't going to get any sleep because I knew that I had this big test. And this particular professor was very tough, but it was so funny. She was my favorite professor. So, of course, it was even anxiety in that because I wanted to kind of um, impress her. Right. She was like a play mother to me almost. But I, I loved her. And I, but, but she was really tough. She was real tough. So at any rate. I fell asleep, you guys. <laughs> I fell asleep and I just went into panic mode. So I hurry up, you know, shower, took myself to class and I just studied into the class. And I think that class um, began at 11, somewhere in there. So I just study, 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 study because I just wanted to um, get all of that um, in my brain and just, you know, uh, make sure that I pass my exam. Now, what was going on here? You know, my adrenaline, the cortisol, and all that was activating to place me in the fight or flight mode. And so, in this instance, I was in fight mode. Um, have you ever been on a roller coaster and your adrenaline was so high? Then afterwards, you um, you start you were shaking because that boost of um, adrenaline, and then you're shaking because now you're coming down off of that high. It's the same thing um, here as well. And um, these chemicals are not bad, right? But they're bad if they're there for a prolonged period. But let me tell you a little bit about why they're not bad first, okay? Now, fight and flight response can provide the necessary energy to, to like I said, pull an all-nighter or keep your job in this example, right? Now, over the course of our um, evolutionary um, history, um, humans develop this coordinated fear response to protect against dangers in our environment. Now, we don't have those same environments anymore at the same level of intensity as we had before. And I say that um, with bated breath, and I'm going to be honest with you, because in this world that we live in and now, it seems like we're almost getting back to prehistoric times. <laughs> so again, for example, a faster heart rate and tensor muscles would help us escape from predators because you're able to run, right, in prehistoric times. Now, and like I said, in the modern area, fear continues to serve as an important function because guess what? Say, for instance, you're out, you hear gunshots. Your brain is probably not going to really be able to take in what's going on, but your body does. And so you're either going to fight, which in this case, I hope you don't, depending on the situation, or you're going to flight. Now, over time, when there is chronic job stress, this can lead to psychological syndrome called burnout. <laughs> not a fancy term, right? That's when we burn out. And uh, have you ever been with a coworker? Are you probably been that person yourself? Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I have been the cynical person. Yep, 
time to want, and that's when I know it's time to leave, um, not just a job, a relationship <laughs> even, is when you just start being cynical, burning out, you know, burnt out, you feel exhausted. And these are the same type of symptoms that you will have in job stress that you will have in just any relationship. Now, the warning signs of burnout are overwhelm, exhaustion, cynicism, a sense of inefficacy, and um, certain related stresses are closely related uh, to burnout, these that I've um, forementioned. And um, there are others that you may think of like poor sleep, poor eating, and just a host of others because you know what? We all are different, right? So examples are, um, some other examples are having too much work and too little independence. Oh my God, have we all been there? At least I have. When you have so much work where someone is micromanaging you and you feel like you can't get away, like for me, I'm going to be honest with you, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, even if I wasn't an entrepreneur, because guess what? We have to crawl before we walk. At least some of us, right? I didn't start off being an entrepreneur, but I always knew I wanted to work for myself. So anything that felt stifling and suffocating, I just had to break away from. So I always had jobs that kind of landed me a little bit of flexibility. Now, inadequate pay, of course, right? If the money's not there, you are messing with my coin, then uh, the ends just doesn't justify the means for me. Um, lack of community between co-workers, um, of course, and you know, I think that's why I alluded to before some one of the more the hybrid w- model where they wanted to be around co-workers or just for instance, if you're working um, totally at a job, you know, um, and there's no cohesiveness. I've had that as well. Um, some other ones are unfairness or just plain disrespect. Um, lastly, because there is one more, a mismatch between workplace and personal values. Now, that's a deep one. Have you ever worked somewhere that it just went against your values? I know some people are like, well, it's about the money. Mm, for me, it depends on the type of person you are. Um, my hope, because guess what? You are at your work more than you're at home, believe it or not, right? You at um, a job, for the most part, eight hours a day, sometimes more, because a lot of times it's more if you need to finish up on things, right? So this place has to be um, stimulating um, and just all, all out healthy, right? So just imagine you have all these things that I just talked about, and this is where you spend the majority of your time, that is so toxic. No. <laughs> so those are some of the things. Um, I just wanted to give you a little brief education on what job stress is and burnout. And that's why a lot of people are just saying, I've had it. Um, you know, I'm going to do this or I, I basically take less pay. That's what a lot of people are saying because life is too short. And I say bravo, kudos to them. Anyone who um, who's listening right now and made a job change, you've taken a pay cut um, just for your peace of mind. Long as you're able to pay those bills, because, you know, that's another stressor that can um, that can come about when the money's not right, right? Or when the money is funny. (laughs) So yeah, so let's take another brief break. And um, yeah, I'll just continue with this topic right here and uh, we'll be closing. So just stay tuned and have a little bit more for you. Stay tuned. 
Hey, this is your girl Letitia coming to you from the virtual couch. I want to take a little bit of your time today to discuss how to find the right therapist. Now, like with anything, your hairstylist, your gardener, your medical doctor, it may take a few tries before you find the right fit. Finding the right therapist is no different. So stay the course and don't give up. Also, I want to empower you to ask questions. Do not feel like you're being intrusive by asking questions because guess what? This is the person that's gonna lead you and guide you towards your healing. And this is a very important partnership. So I will say this even as a therapist myself, if a therapist becomes offended by any questions that you may have, just like with any other individual that I discussed before, like your doctor, your gardener, whoever, someone you know working on your home, if they become offended, you're probably not gonna hire them, right? Exactly. Your therapist is no different. So don't feel offended. Don't be offended by the degrees and the licenses. And yes, all those hard things we worked for, but we're here for you. And so it is your right to ask every question you need to ask to make sure it is the right fit for you. And again, it may take a few tries. And again, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that therapist is a bad person either. It just means that, you know what, they may not be the right person to guide you on your journey. Um, so I wanna leave you with a, free, a few resources. Uh, psychologytoday.com is a resource where you can view various therapists and you can even input your area by your zip code, your city and your state to find the therapist nearest you. You can also go to therapyforblackgirls.com and therapyforblackmen.org. Please seek these resources out. They are awesome. There are some wonderful, very experienced therapists on these sites, some of which are my beautiful colleagues, and I know the hard work that they do, and they are waiting to hear from you. Okay, so I'm not gonna take any more of your time because I know you can't rush to, can't wait to get to that computer, right? And search out that therapist. So I'm not going to say anything further. If you want to tell me about your experience, I would love to hear about it. Please email me at virtualcouchpodcast1 at gmail.com and happy hunting. Take care. Have a seat on the virtual couch. Get it, girl. Let's go. So let's review the effects of work stress on our emotional and mental well-being. Long-term exposure to work-related stressors can affect our mental health in many different ways, right? So one study shows that younger people who routinely face heavy workloads and extreme time pressures on the job are more likely to experience major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Now, high levels of stress at work and outside of it can also affect physical health too, yes. Repeated activation of the fight or flight response can disrupt bodily systems and increase susceptibility to disease. So what does that say? 
We are too blessed to be stressed. Do not let anyone stress you into an early grave. And I'm pretty sure you probably heard your mom or grandma say that, but it's actually true. The more stress we have, the more likely it can affect our mental and physical health. Now, let me give you an um, example of that. Um, repeated release of the stress hormone cortisol, and I spoke about that earlier, can disturb the immune system and raise the likelihood of developing autoimmune disorders, cardiovascular disease, and Alzheimer's disease, just to name a few. But there's other effects as well. Chronic stress can also affect health by interfering with healthy behaviors such as exercise, balanced eating, and sleep. So yes, if you are having sleep disturbances, having issues with eating, and that can be over or under eating, it can definitely mean that you are stressed out. So you need to incorporate some healthy relaxation into that lifestyle of yours. Work stress can also harm companies or organizations, but we're not going to get into that because I spoke about that earlier. We all know what burnout can do, right? Have you ever seen those burnt out coworkers that are just cranky and angry? Yes, they're difficult to be around, okay? So how do you cope? I'm going to just go over these really briefly. You can incorporate some relaxation strategies into your lifestyle, um, we have a technique in my field, it's called progressive muscle relaxation. I won't go in really detail about that because you should be under a therapist who can teach you this. Um, so basically it's, um, you can be sitting down, that's what I usually do with clients, and you tense your muscles and then you relax them, but you do it in various parts of the body, okay? So sometimes you may start with the legs and work your way up, or some people prefer to start at top and work their way to the bottom. <clears throat> so that's just a little um, quick example of that. Um, do some problem solving. Problem solving is an active coping skill and mechanism that teach people to take specific steps in approaching those roadblocks or challenges that you may be having, right? You may want to do a to-do list. Um, I'm a post-it notes girl. I'm a list girl. I've always been that, um, that way. So you may want to um, take some charge that way and um, car, um, yeah, just break your problems up into various um, sections that you are able to tackle. You know, sometimes stress comes from when we are trying to bite to, um, what's that term? When you want to eat the whole elephant. I know that's a gross analogy, but you know what I'm saying, basically, right? You want to take little bits, you know, bits and pieces and try to tackle those one by one and not try to tackle the whole problem altogether because that can be very overwhelming. So you may want to do one thing today. You may want to do another thing tomorrow. However, you see fit to manage that stress and manage those tax, um, tasks that you have to do. Um, another thing is mindfulness. Now, mindfulness are techniques that keep us centered into the present. A lot of times stress comes from when we are looking ahead and when you're not in the present and you're looking what's ahead, that can bring on anxiety, okay? Um, stress can be exacerbated when we spend time ruminating about the past or worrying about the future, like I said, and engaging in self-criticism. Snap out of it. You cannot um, tackle things by worrying anyway, right? 
it's just time consuming. You're wasting your time doing that. Um, another is reappraising negative thoughts. Chronic stress and worry can lead people to develop a mental filter in which they automatically interpret situations through a negative lens. A person may jump to negative conclusions with little or no evidence. Have you seen people do that before? They're, um, they're thinking about the worst um, scenario. My boss thinks I'm incompetent. And some of the things are just not true, right? So you work yourself up into a tizzy for things that are not, not even true. So um, you may want to uh, reframe those thoughts and say, okay, what am I thinking? What evidence do I have of that? to kind of snap yourself out of it. Some other things, one of my favorite things to do is travel. I love to travel. That's my getaway. And if you want to do a little staycation, you can do that as well and do some things even within your home. Make your home your oasis. You can do that. You don't even have to leave. Make your home your whole, your own personal oasis. You may want to do some journaling. You may want to do therapy. Of course, I am a proponent of therapy and as you know why um, you may want to engage in some art listen to some music and anything that is um, that you can do to reduce your therapy now of course I'm going to tell you to refrain from alcohol and drugs those are temporary fixes and they are just going to exacerbate your problems okay so you don't want to engage in that Alrighty, so that is it for me today thank you for joining me on the comfy couch today it was fun i'm glad that you joined me and kept me some company so with that said you have a blessed one until next time i hope you enjoyed your time on the virtual couch with our girl leticia on leticia's virtual couch you did that leticia Virtual.